The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Mindhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Yeah, so really it's soup to nuts, which means that it's it's every skill that you can imagine lawyers would need to learn to develop business. So that's from LinkedIn and how to use that as an efficient, effective tool to 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 prospect, to network, to develop, you know, new strategic partners, developing what I call a dream team of strategic partners. So you as an estate planner, you need to have divorce attorneys and right. financial planners and therapists. And not everyone is created equal as it relates to how often they can refer you, right? I right, might refer you once a year. Someone might be able to refer you three times a month. Well, there's a right. big difference in how much business you can generate spending time with, with those people. So how right. do we, how do we, you know, learn that, go after that, develop an infomercial and go out and get those, those strategic partners. All right. Now you're in front of a new pr- prospective client. How are you walking them through a buying decision so that you get to a yes or get to a quick no and take think about it off the table. And most lawyers think uh, think about it. You know, let, give us my wife and I a couple of weeks. We'll get back to you. That that's good. That that's a forward mo- movement. And it's not. It's a nice way of saying no. They right. don't want to be rude. They don't want to upset you. They and they certainly don't want to be oversold because now you're dealing with an objection and they know you're just going to push them into it. Nobody likes that feeling. So right. We we need to have a way of walking a buyer through a buying decision that makes it a win-win, that understands that there's a fit. And if so, great, let's talk about a next step and moving forward. And if not, let's try to be as honest as we can yeah. so that we don't waste our time spinning our wheels on stuff that isn't really going to happen. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Steve Fretson. I'm a four-time author, host of Be That Lawyer podcast and coach for attorneys nationally, working with uh, them on their business development skills to double or in some cases triple their books of business and create a sustainable way of growing business year after year. Okay. Welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast. If you are listening on your favorite 
uh, audio directory, please be sure and leave us a five-star review if you can do that. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our feed and hit the like button, hit the, hit the uh, subscribe button, whatever buttons you can hit so we can keep bringing quality content, quality conversations, and good conversations to the people that are listening, including my guest today. Is a uh, It's a little bit of a unique conversation because we're doing a little overlap. We're going to do some entrepreneurial talk stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about marketing for attorneys because a lot of my colleagues, myself included, are solopreneurs. Uh, and we're out there, you know, we don't really learn a lot about business in law school and we're, you know, trying to develop. So my guest today, Steve Fretzen, who I met through the, the very famous Sharon V. We both love Sharon. She's great. Listen to her podcast if you do a, a search for her. And uh, we're going to talk today about what Steve does and he coaches. So Steve, I thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Um, I thank you for having me on your show on Mo- I think it was Monday, right? Yeah. We've, so we're we seeing a lot of each other the these week. days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But maybe I always do this. Maybe we could you know, kind of go back to your background and where you're from and kind of how you developed. Because I know you have a marketing background, but you really kind of niche down, which you and I talked about niching down is really important yep. uh, when growing your business. And, and then we can get into things about all the bad things that lawyers do when it comes to marketing and developing their business. Yeah. So I'm an, I'm an old school sales dog from the 1980s. I actually sold shoes at Kinney's, which is the great there American shoe store. Remember Kinney's? You know, my dad started his career at Kinney's. He was young. My mom was pregnant and he okay. went to buy life insurance from a guy. He was in the, like their management training program. There was a Kinney's across the street from where I grew up. I used to work there after school. Are they yeah. even in business anymore? They- no, they're not in business. Yeah. So he, no. so he goes to buy life insurance and he says to this guy, you know what? I think I want to learn about your career. And he ends up completely changing. I would have been like the son of what's his name? Al Bundy. Right? <laughs> and, and, and again, anyone under like 35 doesn't even yeah, know that. No, I Al Bundy. They don't know the Kinney's reference. No, none of it. Absolutely. Uh, if it not. helps, Kinney's was a partner with Foot Locker. I think everybody knows Foot Locker. Uh, so there's, there's, they still had that. That explains why the location became a Foot Locker later on. But that was really my first real opportunity to understand, hey, when someone asks for a pair of shoes, you can bring them out that pair and then a couple others that look like them. Yeah. Uh, you can sell purses and socks and make a little extra commission. And I was actually, you know, competitive against the other part-timers at the other stores in my Chicagoland North Shore, you know, area. And when I got out of college, I went right into sales. And what I did was I sort of moved up the food chain of sales jobs. Okay. And I ended up in franchising. So talk about, you know, entrepreneurs and dealing with entrepreneurs. These are people that wanted to have a new life, an entrepreneurial life. And I sold sign businesses. So I look behind you at all the different signs you have and the banner stand I have behind me. These are all created at sign shops. Okay. So I was selling Sinorama and you see uh, fast signs. It's a franchise. I was selling franchises across the country. And part of my job was selling businesses. And part of my job was to oversee and help support the existing businesses that I was overseeing in the from Midwest. a sales point of view or an operations point of view. Or? That's the beauty. It was everything. It was how okay. to place ads in the phone book. It was how to go right. out and sell. It was how, looking at a profit and loss statement and trying to figure out where are we making mistakes that can be cleaned up. And I actually got a percentage of their of their of of their royalties came to me. So the better they did, the better I did. Like and an ongoing I, commission. Yeah, it was like a commission and the better the stores did, the better I did. So it was yeah, in my well, best good. interest to kind of help them. Right. But what it did was it transformed me from a, a sales guy to more of a business guy. Yeah, And that gave me the entrepreneur bug. And I said, you know, I know someday I'm going to run a business. I just didn't know what. So then I met a coach 
and uh, it was introduced to me. And he's and he, he started asking me a bunch of questions and learning about it. And I was always like felt like I was one of the top guys in any sales job I had. But he started like picking apart what I was doing and how I was doing it. And I engaged him and it was very expensive. I think it was $15,000. And the most I'd ever spent on any kind of coaching was maybe a Brian Tracy seminar for like right. 350 bucks and you buy yeah. your CDs in the back. Okay? Sounds like the strategic coach. What's that? That's the one like- uh, Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of these, yeah. but you know, they, they, they get you into the seminar and it's, they're all great. And then they sell you their CDs and that's where they made their money back in the 90s. Right, of course. And this coach- completely transformed the way that I was doing sales. And so it was, it was, it was more time efficient. And I said, I just like with your dad, you know, how do I do what you do? How right. do I teach sales? Because ultimately that was my favorite part of working with franchisees. And also that was, my, I was blown away by what he was showing me and, and how it was transforming my career. So I ended up getting into a sales coaching business in 2004 by the way, not an attorney, never thought I'd work with attorneys. My father's a retired attorney and okay. he never had to do anything to get business other than being the smartest guy in the room, which he generally was. Well, okay. so did he work for a firm or just because he was smart and everybody knew him and they would go to him? I mean, I actually interviewed him on my 200th podcast, my dad, Larry <laughs> Fretzen, 87 years old nice. and uh, still, you know, got, got the, you know, they got the stories, but he made $10 a day as a lawyer back in the late fifties. If you can imagine that making 10 bucks a day. Yeah. And he learned more in his first year, two years practicing law than most attorneys and saw more trial work than most attorneys see in their entire careers. But he was a, he was like the last of the generalists, like did right. everything. And yeah, anything that was like, generalists like, make me nervous nowadays. There's yeah. so much to learn. How could you be a generalist? Yeah. And the only things he paid that he, he farmed out was stuff that got in, you know, to really, really heavy, you know, like IP or heavy, right. you know, things like that. And he actually got out of divorce because it was ugly and he didn't like, he couldn't, he couldn't stomach it. Right. Um, so I never thought I'd work with attorneys. 2008 hits, recession hits. I'm, I'm helping all these entrepreneurs dramatically grow sales. I mean, I was crushing it in my business and helping them crush it in theirs. And an attorney got referred to me and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm basically teaching a process called sales-free selling, which I created based not only off of what I learned from my coach, but from, you know, all the readings and all the studying and all the things that I had done to, to make sure that if I'm going to teach sales, I need to do it in a non-salesy way. I need to do it in yeah. a way that people can feel really good about. I always Problem tell people solving. like you can yeah. be a good salesperson, but do it in a way that makes you comfortable. You don't have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that doesn't make a successful salesperson. Right. People are going to see right through it there. And, and I also think if you look at your background, sales is like the most important element to being successful in business. You can hire somebody to do your marketing. You can hire somebody to help you with your accounting and your legal and all that stuff. But when it comes to sales, it's the one thing that like makes people cringe and they avoid. And developing that skill early like you did is, is a roadmap to success for the average business owner, something you want to really, really get good at. And like you said, be comfortable doing it. Yeah. So the introverted attorneys, the attorneys that complained, hey, they never taught me this in law school, the attorneys right. that were in their 40s and that were stuck in the billable hour you know, loop right. with, with not only the clients as bosses, but their five, 10 partners that are feeding them work as bosses, right. they're not really living the dream that they had imagined. So when they engage me, we work together over, let's say, eight months. They're in a class with other lawyers. They're one-on-one. -on -one. And the goal is that they internalize how to do business development in a non-salesy way that's repeatable and sustainable through a career. And right. lawyers loved it. They absolutely loved it. So 
I decided after working with about 10 lawyers and about three law firms that I was going to push my chips in. Let, let me help this industry that has a great need uh, for help, quite frankly. Right. And it's been absolutely the best decision I ever made in my lifetime. Yeah, well, you and I spoke my wife. on your podcast. You always have to say that. Got to throw that in, yeah. right? Because it's true. <laughs> but I think niching down, we talked about it on your podcast, yeah. is so important. Yeah. It actually increases your business when you yeah. become an expert to those kind of people that need your skills, you know? Right. Well, it can also be everything think to everybody. About- but think about a differentiator. If I'm, if I'm a, yeah. and, and I was a generalist working with, I've worked in over 50 industries. So I have that background of working with a local carpet cleaner, a Caribbean medical school and a large company like Canon. Okay. So I've done all that. And, and then when you niche down and work in a specific industry and they want a specialist, they really don't right. want to work with a generalist. Somebody who knows their industry, their business, yeah. how they do things. And, yeah. and look, if you're if you're very good at what you do, there's a lot of other sales coaches out there, and there's a lot of noise. It's hard to differentiate. So if you don't, if you're not niching in a specific, you know, industry or a specific area, there's really no reason for them to choose you. you just get lucky if they choose you over somebody yeah. else, or you or you get referred by. I say, listen, Steve's the guy. You got to talk to him. But at the end of the day, there's really no differentiation without that. Well, I've taken it even further than that, Mitch, because I'm no longer working in the last two, three years working with law firms anymore. And here's why. What I was finding is that pain law firms wanted me to, what is that? <laughs> They're pain in the ass. They, well, okay. So let's <laughs> let's start with that. Sure. Politics. Uh, and the layers of people that I'm dealing with from yeah. committee to managing partner to business development and marketing people that work at that firm. And what they were ultimately doing was they were sending me their problem children. Yes, there'd be a couple that were highly ambitious, motivated and and brilliant and all of that. And then they'd send me the people that they thought had potential and, but they had no interest. Right. They They wanted to be a worker bee, right? They wanted to be a worker bee. They were being pushed into this program where the firm was paying a bunch of money. I was taking their money and, and yes, they were happy with my program. They liked me. That was all great. But what I get my kicks out of is watching someone develop and grow and hit the next level. And that wasn't happening with the firms. Maybe two out of 10 would do that. The right. other eight were just happy. But the yeah, they wanted not, to stay there. They didn't want to be out on their own. They look, wanted to I, do the work. It's nice to be happy. Okay. But that's not, that's not what's that. getting me up in the morning. Yeah. So with the pandemic and the move to Zoom and the ability to get a lot more done in a lot less time and spread out beyond Chicagoland, which is, I didn't really have to go far to find lawyers in Chicago. I mean, right. there's you could throw a rock and hit a, hit a, same hit a lawyer. Same open a window stream. stream. I need a lawyer. Start it's all it is. So yeah. so that really um, helped me to to continue to, to, to focus on only working with the most ambitious, desiring interested, coachable attorneys. And so my success gets, gets, gets higher because I'm only as good as my players. So Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, you got no problem there. Phil Jackson, Kobe, whatever we want to do. And the solopreneurs are choosing to work with you. It's the other people that are being forced to work with you. Right. So no more forcing. And, and even attorneys that go back to their firm and ask their firm to help pay for my, my fees or pay for whatever I tell them, don't take the money. (laughs) <laughs> Pay for this yourself. Make the investment yourself. I know I'm not right. cheap. That's okay. I don't want the cheapest lawyer for a divorce, and I don't. You don't want the cheapest coach. You right. want someone that's going to get you where you need to be, which is uh, 20, 30 years of success in your practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think also you're more committed to that. If it's, yeah, if you're done. More skin in the, you get the skin in the game. You're going to do the work psychologically. You're, gonna, you're not going to quit. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Okay. So, and how long you've been? 
doing this like specifically for attorneys. Yeah, since 2008. So if we do the math on that, it's about 14 years. And it's been very intensive. I only take on, so I've got Two, two things I'm doing. One is helping lawyers, you know, sharpen the saw and learn all the stuff on the business development front. And there's marketing trickling in. And I do separate marketing and business development. And I recently put an article up on my blog that breaks that down. Right. I see business development as this, you and I meeting, building a relationship, adding right. value for each other. And yeah, now I can throw work your way and you can throw work my way. And building a network, thing. building connections. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the personal time that you have to invest in growing a book of business, right? Right. Then marketing is the stuff, the podcast, the books, the articles, the social media, the stuff that right. either you do or you outsource. And I, tr- I, I dabble in that. I'm, I'm, I'm good at that. I do a lot of that for myself. But that's not really what I'm teaching lawyers. I'm really teaching them how to actually take their time and make the best use of it to go and develop sustainable, reoccurring business through a career. Okay. So let's talk about that because I think people think of sales specifically in you know, professional uh, careers as something that's happening kind of with the client. Like you know, I'm talking to somebody, they come to my office now, they need a will. I'm now selling them a will. And I don't look at it that way. I look at counseling them through making their their decisions. But mm-hmm. so so let's talk about that. Is it is it more that you're helping people to develop the skills to bring them business or is it to close business or how, how do you look at it and how do you teach them? Yeah. So really it's soup to nuts, which means that it's it's every skill that you can imagine lawyers would need to learn to develop business. So that's from LinkedIn and how to use that as an efficient, effective tool to, to, to prospect, to network, to develop you know, new strategic partners, developing what I call a dream team of strategic partners. So you as an estate planner, you need to have divorce attorneys and right. financial planners and therapists. And not everyone is created equal as it relates to how often they can refer you, right? I right. might refer you once a year. Someone might be able to refer you three times a month. Well, there's a right. big difference in how much business you can generate spending time with with those people. So how do we how do we you know learn that, go after that, develop an infomercial and go out and get those those strategic partners. All right, now you're in front of a new pr- prospective client, how are you walking them through a buying decision so that you get to a yes or get to a quick no and take think about it off the table. And most lawyers think uh, think about it, you know, let, give us my wife and I a couple of weeks, we'll get back to you that that's good, that that's a forward mo- movement. And it's not, it's a nice way of saying, no, they right. don't want to be rude. They don't want to upset you. They, and they certainly don't want to be oversold because now you're dealing with an objection and they know you're just going to push them into it. Nobody likes that feeling. So right. we, we need to have a way of walking a buyer through a buying decision that makes it a win-win that understands that there's a fit. And if so, great, let's talk about a next step and moving forward. And if not, let's try to be as honest as we can yeah. So that we don't waste our time spinning our wheels on stuff that isn't really going to happen. Yeah, I would say that nine times out of ten, the client says, "Okay, well, let me talk to my wife for that, and we're going to talk about we can eat on here." Because yeah. whatever I'm doing, it's not so such a large endeavor that they, you know, they're making a decision there to move forward because right. they need to do it, whatever it is. And some of the estate planners, the first thing I tell them is, "You're not taking any more meetings without the wife there." Because right. when you because when you do, you've got everybody in the room that's going to agree. We want to protect our lives. We care about our kids. We we don't have any. You know, it's like we're driving around without insurance. We're driving right. we're, no health care, no no car, home insurance, and and we're in, in heavy traffic on the highway. Right. Well, and who would want that? I mean, right. 
not not most bright people would want to have that insurance. That's what an estate plan does. But if they don't see that, if they don't understand that value, when you hit them up with the number, they're going to go, geez, well, it's it's that estate plan or it's our, our you know, half a trip to Disney at this, right. at this point. So I, I don't want to, you know, not go to Disney, but this is important too. But so they have to see the value and want to make that investment in themselves and their family. And that's not through selling, that's through their belief that the value is there and that you're the one that's going to help them and they want to make that decision quickly. Yeah. And look, I don't know if it's ethical to do work anyway without having somebody involved who's going to be signing his or her own documents. Yeah. Except at the signing meeting, go, did you read this? Did your husband explain this to you? Did your wife explain this to you? Whatever it is, it's just not not the right way to do business. Forget about sales. That's, you know, it overcomes that by saying, well, this has nothing to do with closing the sale. This has to do with what's right when dealing with a with a with a customer. Can can you can we go over some of the common mistakes that you see or obstacles that attorneys have, you know, blocks sure. to doing things or mistakes they make that you see on yeah. a regular basis? I mean, top of the list, number one is going to be poor time management. Um, okay. They're not understanding that time management is um, it's, it's something that's learned. It's like yeah. sales. It's learned. These are things that look, I am. I will just admit I am one of the least organized feather on the wind. Blow me this way. I'll go that way. Blow me that way. I'll go another. That's the way I was until I got organized with my time, until I read Getting Things Done by David Allen and a bunch of other time management automation types of of books and working with a coach. When you look at my office, there's not a scrap of paper. I have everything list folder. I have everything scheduled. I've got auto schedulers for my calendar, anything and everything I can delegate, automate, drop, discard, get rid of it's there. And I'm trying to instill that in my clients because they're letting their inbox run their day. They're letting their partners run their day. Everything's Uh, a fire drill. Everything's a fire drill all day. It's then you cannot get to business development if you're being pulled under like quicksand every single day. Right. And so my joke is, did you have the week or the week have you? And it's yeah. almost always the latter. So right. we need to get out of that. And so we fix that part of the thing we work together. We need to fix that first, because if you don't have any time to do business development because you're running yourself ragged, then how are we going to work together? How are we going to get success you know, together and build that, build that book of business or build that business? Yeah. No, we were talking on your podcast. First of all, we're both big fans of the remarkable. Oh, yeah. Remarkable too. Love you can't it. live without Love it. it. Love it. Yeah. Right. No. So I'm gonna I'm gonna approach them and see if they'll become a sponsor <laughs> we got it. We podcast. should do it. We gotta get like a get Maybe like get a, a package, class, right? A class action of in, in yeah. a positive way yeah. of getting all the podcasters that talk about remarkable too to get them on the on board. Yeah, we probably have to do that. Also, we talked about on on Monday um the issue where um uh if you, and I just lost my train of thought, we were talking about um, if you're, I just lost my train of thought. I was ask you <laughs> okay. And you I wish saying, I had a memory of it. Well, what were you saying after the remarkable, after being paperless? After being paperless, just, you know, I was talking about automation and making sure, you know, you've got everything automated. And uh, what did I say about yeah, well, that? I, I was don't just going to make a point. I was just going to say, oh, I know what it is. Yeah. You were talking about time management. So I have spoken to a lot of firms that have, you know, and some of the older people, right? I'm 55. So let's say older than that. They're in there. Some of these people are my age too, but they, so um, Gen Xers kind of get they it. They want to be the- back in the office because they value this like, hey, if, you know, it, we get so much done. If you pop by my office and you collaborate and what I find that such an inefficient use of time, 
I don't want somebody popping in my office. I want somebody to say, hey, can we chat for a few minutes at 10 o'clock? Sure. I'll put it on my calendar and we'll talk for 15 minutes, but I got a hard stop at 1030 because I got another call to jump on. Yeah. I, I don't want somebody just coming in because I, in my old firm and I had more guys, I would lose more time yeah. by people chewing up your ear. I mean, look, that's what a short lunch is for. That's what grabbing a cup of coffee is for, but you, you can't let people control your day and that's what's going to happen. So it's funny how going back to work in the office, it's to a certain extent can be a drain and a loss of control of your schedule when you're virtual and you got a calendar and you introduce me to somebody by email and then I respond and say, Steve, thanks. I'm moving you to, to BCC. You know, John, here's a link to my calendar so you can get it and we can talk about things. Boom. He gets on the calendar and then I'm on Zoom with him next Tuesday. It's, you know, what did that take me? 13 seconds? As yeah. opposed to a guy say, hey, hey, you got a minute? I was just going to run this by you. And I do have colleagues that call me. And if I'm available, I'll answer the phone. They go, hey, you got a minute? And I'm like, yeah, well, I wouldn't answer the phone if I didn't. But, you know, then, then I say, okay, listen, I got to go. I always have another meeting. Now, sometimes yeah. I don't, but I, I got to get back to work, you know? But everybody's, everybody, so all the, all the top time management habit books say, yeah. when you're trying to get work done, what I call brain work, right? Things yeah. that you need to focus on. Every single email, phone call, interruption by somebody hanging out at your, at your office. Hey, how's it going? That's all bad from a standpoint of, of time. You're going to lose 15 to 30 minutes of productivity, even if it's only a two minute quick email that right, you they your get train back of into whatever yeah, you how do doing. you get back into that flow, the deep yeah. state of work or whatever it might be. Correct. And so if you do that all day, you could be losing hours and hours a day. So I think I get why people want to be back in the office, camaraderie, culture. There's a number of reasons and why that's a good thing. Sure. There's value to it. However, the loss of productivity the other side of it is there aren't people, there are people that aren't great at working from home. My wife constantly right. comments. No, I have how, to go to my co-working space. I can't work. From so, okay. So like I'm working from home every day. My wife is so impressed by my, uh, how constructive I am and how, how, you know, how just I can stay focused in the, yeah. now if I you had three, I if I had three children, obedience, but if I had three children at home, yeah, which, right. right that's out the window, but dad, even dad, my, dad, 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 even my 15 year old, will crack open my door because he wants to go play golf or fish with me, which I love. Okay. But he cracks open my door. He peeks in, he sees me looking at the screen typing and he closes it and, and just waits. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? 
try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. He right. knows. Don't yeah. interrupt dad in, in the flow state. Okay. So that's the, the negative of the home is that not everybody can handle that type of. of hey, you got to be much more diligent about it. But even become, in the office, that's a choice. Like you yeah. can be the one who says, listen, listen, let me tell you right now, I don't operate this way. Yeah. If you want to talk to me, send me an email and ask to get on my calendar, go to my calendar, you know, the link. Yeah. Get on my calendar for 20 minutes, you know, whatever you want to do. And I think that that is a lot of people don't feel like it's a conscious decision because they're letting other people drive the car, you know, and they're just a passenger in this whole career. And by the way, then your, you know, your satisfaction with your career goes down. You don't like going to work. It's a hassle. You're walking. You don't know what you're walking into every day. Yeah. You know, I even take emails and I snooze them. Like if I see something, you know what? I don't have to deal with that till Monday. I snooze it. So it's not in my inbox and it pops up then. When I'm when I'm ready to deal with it, I don't yeah. need to have four. I I met somebody recently. I don't even know what the limit is of the number of emails you can have in your inbox. It's high though. This person I think had ten thousand some odd emails in their inbox. I said, "How do you operate that?" Uno, unopened, they right? Say, well, I know, yeah, because they would just view them on the screen or whatever. Yeah, I said, "How do you even find it?" Oh, I just do a search. Yeah. I mean, everything I have is a folder. Okay, okay. I, so I'm more of a I'm more of a search guy. I tried doing the folders because that's what the book said to do. It right. just didn't work for me. So right. you find a way to make it work for it, but you don't leave them all in your thing, inbox, do you? So so everything's in my inbox, but everything has been um in in the ones that are old get archived. But okay. no, I go to bed every night with every single email responded to. So if it's something yeah, me that. Too. So I, that way I never feel like there's weight that I, I miss something. And if it's something that I need to respond to in a week, I'll just give myself a little message or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll figure Ever out how to manage schedule emails? Like yeah, if ske- I have, yeah. If I have an answer and it's Saturday, I don't want them to think I'm working on a Saturday. I'll schedule to go out at nine. Oh no, I don't do Monday. that. But I, yeah, but I, I do that. you know, cause my clients know I'm available for them night and day weekends and all that. And if I'm no, busy with something like golf or fishing or something with my wife, like I'm just there, they know I'll get back to them in a few hours. Right. Um. But, but ultimately you know, organization and time management is gonna is gonna allow you to be more successful at marketing, business development, growing your business, spending time with your family. And if you're just disorganized, that's just you can't you can't do that today and get away with it like maybe in years past. No, right? Because people they're demanding of you. And There's too much going poke on. Poke at you, right? They yeah. Can, I, I I have a. It's my uncle who's an attorney. He's in the 70s now. There was a time where he didn't even want email because he was like, listen, if I have an email address, people send me an email. They think that I get it immediately. And they have a certain expectation about when I'm going to get back to them and how come I didn't get back to them, whatever. Obviously, he wasn't ultimately forced to have an email and all that type of stuff. But at the he could control the workflow. He wanted things to come in. People would call me, leave a message, expect me to call them back. I would yep. call them. 
which I can't even operate that way. I, I don't calling. If you call me and I have to actually listen to your message and then call you back when I could just send you a quick email or a text, I, I don't, you know, but it's a different, it's a different generation. And it's, yeah, it's some, now, now the younger generation, they don't even want to sit and read an email. So it's got to be a right. text or a DM or something for it yeah. to make sense. Right. So yeah. it's all, it's now all for changing. Me, the problem with texting with is yeah. that it does stay organized by client, but it, it doesn't sit there. So if the client is texting me, it starts running up the thing. I, I take their text. If it's something I can deal with, I forward it to myself. So it's in my inbox sitting there yeah. and I could snooze it or do whatever I'm going to, going to do with it. But yeah, I don't, I'm not, a, but my clients, they keep texting me. I'm like, don't text me because I may not <laughs> see the text. If you're sending me 27 texts, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. not a great, yeah, it's not a great way for, to run, you know, legal conversations through text. I think because yeah, you want to keep, you need to keep a record. Of yeah. Things. That's why yeah. I like, that's why I like email over phone call. Like I will, if I talk to somebody, especially if I'm dealing with another lawyer on behalf of a client, I know we're getting a little bit off the topic, but I want to follow it up with an email. I want to have an email chain with this guy. Yeah. So there's no misunderstanding about what we spoke about. Not like, hey, no, you brought this up and that, you know, because what happens is you have a conversation and he follows it up with a draft of something. And it's not even close to what you talked about. He thinks it is, but his interpretation of your discussion, but that's like a whole nother thing we, we can talk <laughs> it's about. So, it's a different show. Exactly. So let's talk about some tips and tricks and, and you know, maybe that's not the right term, but you know what I mean? The things yeah, that you just, teach just different, attorneys, different strategies right, and tactics to, to grow their business. business right? yeah. Exactly. Because I want to give them some okay. good juicy stuff. And then if they like it, they can reach out to you separately. We'll put yeah. So, so, all right. So now we, we say, all right, so we've got our time management. The next thing I would say is, is every lawyer needs to have a business development plan. Okay. Right. And what that plan is going to do. And I've got, I, you know, I've got articles and books and stuff that cover this, right. you know, so people don't have to talk to me directly, yeah. but it should be part of an overall business. It, well, it people, should be part of an, they they have a business plan. Things, and know? then within that business plan, you've got a business development plan. Right. And what that's doing is it's essentially saying, where's the low hanging fruit? Where should I be spending my time? Should I go join 10 networking groups? Or do I already right. have a network to draw from? Do I already have clients to draw from? And I'll give right. you the you best. You need a example. strategic approach, right? You can't I'll give you the best haphazardly and go. Oh, where am I going today? That's I've got the work. best example. So, an right. IP attorney that I worked with years ago, he's he's going out. I don't know every night, every other night, drinking, networking, going to all these events, these cocktail right. events. And by the way, he's having a great time with it because he's an alcoholic now. He's an alcoholic and he's <laughs> and he's divorced. So he's, you know, oh, there's like multiple that, purposes. That didn't work out he's not well. an alcoholic, but he but he definitely, you know, <laughs> is playing the field. And I asked him and I said, How much time is this taking? And what are you getting out of it other than right. some dates and, and and this and then the other? He wasn't really getting much out of it. So we could have worked and fixed that for sure. However, the next question I asked was critical. As an IP attorney doing this for 15 years, how many clients do you have and how do they feel about you? He goes, I've got about a thousand clients and most of them, nine out of 10, love me. I'm their right. go-to. I'm their friend. Like we have a great relationship. I go, then why are you spinning your wheels running around all these events Looking other than new, having right. a great time? Yeah. What have you done to leverage the clients that think you're great, that know you're smart, that that have that have GCs and and uh, general counsels and entrepreneurs all around them all day long, every right. day. He says, "Well, I haven't done anything. I don't know that I'm comfortable with that." I said, "That's the ticket. We don't have to do anything right. else. Basically, you have a million dollars sitting on a table right in front of you. Right. You've been walking around it for years. 
Right. So the business development plan that we created for him wasn't about how much time he could sp- spend spinning his wheels at all these networking events, meeting strangers. It was how do we lean into the business we've already done, the clients that already love us. All we need to do is come up with some crafty language so that it doesn't come across salesy. And that was the ticket for him. Once yeah. he started doing that and having little five-minute conversations at the end of a business meeting where he was asking for connections, introductions, additional work, everything changed. He didn't do anything other than that. And he was able to double his business. Yeah. I think, and I told you on Monday, what my favorite book is, I think the heart of any business development plan has to be a keep in touch program. Yeah. You keep in touch with the people who already know you have written you a check, have seen your work and you have to do it. And most don't. Right. Right. It's a, it's definitely a deficit for for lawyers. How are they from, what is that? It's consistent. You it's see cons- that consistently. It's not consistent there. No, but I mean, you consistently see yes, that lawyers you need are bad so, at keeping so in touch. What you're yeah. trying to do in your plan is not only develop business, but but drive loyalty, drive referrals, what I call quality introductions. Right. So that over time, you, you just have built a machine. And that's what I'm not saying I have that to the degree that you know, that, that like I'm at the, at the you know, the, the peak of the mountain, but I'm, but most of my business comes from my clients, right? Either they're proactive in referring people to me, which is great. That's wonderful. And lawyers, some lawyers have that, but here's the other piece. Yeah. I build such a strong relationship working with my clients that I, I go through their LinkedIn. I go through and talk with them and say, Hey, here's two or three lawyers that I've identified that I think would be interesting. Do you think they'd be open to meeting with me? And if you were to share kind of your experiences and they go, Maybe not all three, but there's two of them that I think would really benefit from working with you, Steve. And then I coach them through how to make those introductions. And the next right. thing you know, I've got a new client. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's a simple thing, but, that, but having a plan that lays out your activity level, where you're spending your time, how you're spending your time, so that you're not just spinning your wheels, running in a bunch of different directions, that's going to be really effective for how you build business. Well, it's like, it's gold. I mean, it, it take a, a local cafe, right? I, I don't remember if I told you this Monday, but there's been some local businesses that have opened and closed over time, even before the pandemic. And you go in there, they're open and you're checking out their stuff and you're buying a shake, you're buying a sandwich and they have that fish bowl there, right? So you drop your card in. And I remember doing this once and I said, it was either it was with my dad or it was with somebody else. And I said, you know, we're never going to hear from these people again. And they said, what do you mean? I go, you're going to put your card in there. You're not going to win the free lunch, right? No. They have this bowl of people that said, hey, I came to your place. They're, they're not going to reach out. They're not going to send me a coupon. They're not going to say, hey, we're doing this special on this day, whatever. And it's all that. And they go out of business. And here's people that are like volunteering to be on the mailing list. Yeah. And they don't even turn that. And people so undervalue the relationships and people that they have thinking that it's better or they're supposed to find new business all the time. When it's sitting right there, if yeah. they just developed a, what's the word, a strategy to be keep in touch with them so it's not onerous to them. Yeah. Because that's how I, I would think 90% of my business referrals because I keep in touch with all the people that I know. They're not all yep. people I've done business with. Some of them are colleagues, some of the people I met at networking events, whatever. But that's- I mean, I'll give, I'll give yeah. you, some, I'll give you some, some additional gold for this part of the plan for many attorneys is going to be, they don't even know who's on their list. They're not, they don't keep track right. of their clients. And I, I got 2,500 people on it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. So what we do is we go through that list at 2,500 okay. and we look at what they, what they, what we service them on. What is our relationship? 
what type of business they're in, and what the potential is for them to refer family, friends, businesses to us. And we rate them on a scale of A, B, C. Yeah, A's are going to be yeah. the, the the most potential champions and the, for and, your and the best relationship. Right. So you've got so like I'm your client. You did an estate plan for me a year ago. We've gone out for dinner a couple times. Like our relationship is it is is way up here. We're friends now, and you know, as a business owner, I'm inter- interacting with tons and tons of people. So right. the relationship's high, the potential's high for referrals. I'm going to be on your A list. The level of communication that you need to have with me is going to be higher than the Bs. Right. The Bs are the ones that are the work in progress. You did something for someone five years ago. You need to catch up with them. All right. So they're on the B list. And then the Cs did you know, something for $500 10 years ago, and you don't even know who they are. And, and they moved out of, out of state. So having a list like that and understanding that you can then under the list of A's say, here are the five ways I'm going to connect with my A's every month, every quarter. Here are the ways I'm going to connect with my B's. And you can think about social media. You can think about newsletter. You can think about a direct email. You can think about a lunch, coffee, birthday gift, whatever it is, you know, to to touch them in a way that's going to keep you top of mind, allow you to have access to say, yeah. You know, hey, uh, I, I, you know, I just learned that your sister just had twins. You know, uh, yeah, just out of curiosity, does she have estate plans in place? Oh, she's terrible with that stuff. Well, do you think we should be talking to her because she's going to want to protect those those little babies? Right. And oh, yeah, that's great. Let me introduce you to my sister. And now we're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, even just keeping in touch, so they can say, "What was the last time you heard from your lawyer?" Oh, I just got an email from last week on a new podcast episode or an article or whatever. Yeah. People think of you. I mean, they look, they have legal issues every day, right? And like you said, you open the window and you're like, and you scream for an attorney and they start climbing through. They're everywhere. So the question is, why do people call me? Well, they just heard from me, you know, yeah. or they, they read a review on me or whatever happens to be because I was top of mind as opposed to the other lawyers that think there's a lot of business attorneys out there. It, it probably, it probably, Mitch goes, it probably goes back to the 80, 20 rule. If you can just yeah. do 20% more than other attorneys, you're going to get 80% back in, yeah. as it relates to business. Because if you figure that most attorneys aren't doing even the base level of marketing, base level no. of business development, reaching out to clients and you are, or you hire someone to do that. I mean, there are VAs, there's automation, there's all yeah. kinds of ways to keep in touch with people. We didn't have right. 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. that's going to be a way to do it and not take up your t- direct time necessarily. Yeah. I mean, 10 or 15 years ago, and when I first read the book, Re- uh, Referral of a Lifetime, which I love, you had to like send out postcards and letters to people and you had yeah. to have a mailing list and, and use a company to do it if you couldn't do it yourself or an assistant. Now you can set up uh, you know, your mailing program to do it automatically, take yeah. the people to, you know, and have them going on and off your list and it, make, it makes it very easy, but I, some, I think some of the systems look like actual, like you wrote an email to them. It doesn't look like a newsletter. Yeah. They're actually set up to, to automate because if as you have an the email. data in there. It can yeah. merge the data and set it up. There's nothing you yep. make it more personal. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, it's funny because things that seem intuitive to you and I, and are, of course you would do that. It, it's so many people just, they still don't do it. And you're only working with the people that are willing to work with you. Which is probably an 80-20 rule, also, yeah. right? Oh, it's 90-10. 90-10. Exactly. But there's plenty of tens out there. You don't yes. need the 90. You can keep No, busy. no, the 90, you very the, well. 90, the 90 I'm gonna help through my podcast, my books, if they're even interested. Right. The 10 that come to me that really want to drive things upward in a in a in a more efficient way and getting better results. That's you know, that's that's the key. Those are the yeah. people I'm I'm talking to every day. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something I, I struggle with, but I think it also gives me an advantage. The fact that we get no business training, um, as, as, as lawyers, as, as entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, it's, it's slowly changing. It's I mean, I, I know Ohio state law school just purchased a bunch of my books and I'm connecting with some of those students on LinkedIn. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, slowly, but surely, you know, some law schools are figuring out that, you know, networking and relationship building and business development and marketing that that needs to be a part of a, of some class that they take. So at least they have some level of education on that before going out, because a lot of them will end up going into solo practices or into the law yeah. firm life. And they're going to need those skills. Um, you know, even if it's just, you know, how do I make sure that the person to my right or left in my law school class, who's going to be a GC in 10 years ends up becoming someone I keep in touch with. Yeah. There's no question about it. I, you know, that's, that blows my mind because the data is available. You know that out of the 1.5 million attorneys in the United States, 80% of us are in either solo practices or two to five man practices, which is a bunch of guys sharing office usually. Right. You know, big law, corporate, and government is a very small portion of the legal profession. So you would think that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's academicians, you know, professorships and things like that, that they would be more interested and more focused on developing attorneys who are starting a career to make them successful. I remember when, and I might have said this on Monday, when I was graduating law school, there was this book going around how to start your own law practice. And everybody's like, well, why, why would you do that? Oh, that must be a guy who can't get a job. And then you turn, <laughs> you find out that that's not true. Some people end up solo by, you know, by choice. And some people don't, a lot of them are by choice because they're like, what the hell am I doing this for? Yeah. And you know, you know, like you said, 20, 10% of us really figure out the whole business development thing. And some of them don't want to, that's fine. But if you want to be on your own, you can struggle your whole life. You know, but you, but you, yeah, so you either figure it out through trial and error and years of mistakes and wasted right. dollars and time and energy, uh, or you, you study, read, listen, yeah. hire a coach, get a mentor it's out and there. get, and get, get that, that head start. And the, the saddest thing is I get a call from guy, a guy in his 60s, early 60s, mid 60s. The work is cut out. He's not getting the billable hours. He still right. wants to work for 10 more years. And he's like, but now what do I do? So, you know, the what, the first book I wrote is called Sales Free Selling. And one of the characters is named Dan, the attorney. And he he's basically saying like, I'm seeing people losing hours. I'm seeing this, you know, now we don't know if there's a recession coming or not. Right now, lawyers are, most of them are killing it and, and right. busier than they've ever been. When yeah. is that going to turn? Is it going to turn? Do we want to wait and industry, find out? Right. Depend yeah. On the yeah. So right. Yeah. Right. So, so, so you know, again, you know, the idea that we want to be prepared and we want to start uh, learning these skills now versus when we're in our sixties, uh, where, where you're kind of you've lost twenty years of productivity and and building control and freedom within your firm on your own, whatever. And that's really what I'm trying to solve in the industry. Look, you could you could be worse, right? You could be fifty-five to sixty. You get laid off by your law firm. You haven't developed much of a client base, which makes you very vulnerable. Yeah. Nobody else wants to hire you, at least at the pay that you're looking to make to pay yep. your bills. And if they do, you're they know that you're overemployed. So as soon as you get an opportunity to go somewhere to be able to pay your bills, you're going to leave. So it's it's very. I get resumes all the time. Like, well, how big is your book of business? Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a book of business. You know, and you're stuck. And yep. it's, re it's really difficult. Okay. I, what I'd like to talk about, this is as being an entrepreneur's podcast, the business owners listen to it. And I have this conversation with lawyers all the time. You mentioned about having a strategic business development plan. 
I'm a big advocate of business planning, right? One element being the marketing and business development side of your business. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that because I do, I've had some business plan challenges that I've run for uh, entrepreneurs and I get contacted by colleagues of mine and they're like, should I do this? Like, do, I don't need a business plan. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, how, how are you going to get from A to B without a roadmap to run your business? And uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about that and how lawyers can benefit from that kind of planning and being more, you know, thoughtful and strategic and conscious about it. Yeah. So, so you've got a business development plan that's going to help, you know, where do I get the business, go for the business, but there's also the side of how do I run the business? How do I manage the people? How do I deal with right. operations, automations? Yeah. Maybe you don't culture. want employees like me. Maybe you do, right? There's so, so, so the easiest, so there's a thousand different ways to do a business plan for yeah. a small business and entrepreneur. The group that I found to be most successful at helping entrepreneurs uh, to develop not only a plan, but also to actually leverage the plan after it's written is the EOS guys, right? The entrepreneur operating system. Um, and, and, and without getting into too many is details. Is that EOS? Is that traction? Yeah, traction. So yeah, one of the book. best books you'll ever read yeah. to understand how to run a small business is going to be traction. There might be some upgrades from that from that book. I read it you know, probably... 14, 15, yeah, no, 14 years, years ago. Yeah. But but the other thing that I love about Traction and EOS is they provide some tools, um, yeah. some some actual tools online that you can yeah, download. Measurable tools, goal setting, things you can Yeah, and there's a two-page plan, on. business plan tool that they give. And is it better to do that tool with an EOS advisor? Of course. Anytime right. you can get walk through uh, how to write a business plan to pull out the best and most important parts and help you facilitate that forward. So I would recommend if you're going to, you know, look to write a plan, try to get someone from EOS and they've got a franchise with all the different, you know, you know, cities right. and states represented. But at least start with the book, read it. Start. Oh, we absolutely start with the book. Yeah. And I use EOS. I've been using it forever and I've got my two page plan. It, it breaks it down by quarter. So you got your year plan, you got your quarter plan, five-year right. goal, 10-year goal. But here's the thing. What people miss the boat on is prioritization. They ditched everything's like fire hose in the mouth. Everything's coming at them in a million miles an hour. So what what EOS does and what this plan does is it allows you to structure how you're going to run your business and what's important for you by quarter. So my quarterly rocks or goals are these five things. Anything that's beyond those five things goes on a separate list. That's like a a later to do defer list. And that way I don't get... And you, you, I'll give this example. Like in, in, in this, people have heard this before. But if you have a, a a cylinder and you have rocks and pebbles and sand and water, and you need to fill it to capacity, what goes in first? Well, people, oh, I don't know. Throw in all the pebbles. Throw in all the sand. You know, whatever. The idea is that you want to fill the, this canister with rocks first, and then you think, is that full? No. Then right. you put in the pebbles, then the sand, then the water, and you can put everything in. But here's the thing: you have to put the rocks in first. So lawyers and entrepreneurs that are being hit up with a thousand different things a day, they're not focusing on the rocks. They're not prioritizing those rocks, like getting a new employee that's going to help with operations, like developing a website that's going to convert leads. Whatever it is that are your top priorities, those need to be the things you focus on. And then once you knock out those rocks, you can bring over other rocks and you can keep building it from there. Right. So there's so many elements to a to a, a business plan. We can't go through them all, but I think traction and understanding what priorities are in your business that need to be laid out so that you can then deal with other things that come your way. That's really right. going to be a critical point. 
Right. Well, writing things down, having a written plan, because like you mentioned before, you will forget. Yeah. Our minds aren't like, you know, these things where you take pictures of stuff and you file it like carefully in a folder and you remember everything. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You're bombarded with information, not on a daily basis, on a constant basis, right? Emails, text, phone calls, your wife calls you, your, your husband says something, whatever it is, you need to have a place where you go back and say, okay, what did I talk about? What was my plan? Because it will be different, by the way, if you and I did a business plan and then left it there for a year and then both said, okay, well, what do we think it says? I guarantee we won't both say the same. <laughs> yeah. We just won't because our yeah. minds don't work that way. And I think people don't really recognize the value of, even if you just start with the strategic business plan you were talking about, business development. You know, I mean, look, I don't do it perfect, I, I but I, I'm always going back to, okay, now, what's the status of my website? Am I building my personal brand? Am I building the website, the podcast? All these things, almost like a spoken and wheel type of a thing. But I lose my way. I mean, and you do this for a living coaching people. And I'm sure you lose your way because you get overwhelmed with helping other people, but you still got to help yourself. And I right. think that as professionals, we overlook the, the elements and the skills that you should use as a business owner. And if you're a solopreneur, I'm sorry, you're a business owner. You know, and, and the biggest problem that small firm owners have and, and entrepreneurs have is they're wearing too many hats, right? I'm the manager of these people. I'm the business developer and marketer. I'm the right. one running the books. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. And so what ends up happening is there's just no way for that to really work. And you're a control freak. So we have to start realizing, you know, there are resources now more than ever, virtual assistants. There's virtual paralegals, there's virtual, right. um, there's marketing companies that you can yep. vet that can take like my marketing company and they work with lawyers, legalese. They're one of the sponsors on my podcast, but they're handling my social media. They're handling my newsletter. They're helping me with my podcast and graphics right. and design and events I'm running. If I had to do that all myself, forget it. I like to just come up with great ideas and then say, you deal with it. Right. Well, that's There's what an idea. entrepreneur you go do does, right? You yes. don't sweep the floors anymore. Maybe you do it at the beginning, but you don't, right. you know. And that's the e-myth if we're talking about more books. I mean, e the idea that, that one, you know, right? the, 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 the guy who's the landscaper starts running a landscaping business, but then he's still doing the landscaping. Well, that's not yeah. how that works. So, no, because then you know, you're just, uh, you're an employee of a company you also happen to own. You're really not right. an entrepreneur. Right. And you know, the smartest, the smartest attorneys realize Look, if I can outsource this to an associate and get that paralegal, that associate doing 70% of my estate planning, my real estate work, whatever it is, I can spend my time with my family and marketing the business and generating leads and closing deals and get a lot of that low-end work done without it being me. And then right. they end up with this great life that they had dreamed of because they're doing things so, so in such a smart way where it's not all falling on them every minute. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's also a lot of attorneys don't realize all the automation and the technology. Oh, they it's can crazy. Use it's never been easier. It's staff. never been easier. I yeah, I know. You ever find a, an attorney group, maybe three to five guys, and they have 10 employees? You're like, well, what are, what are these people doing? Yeah. You know, but one's got to do the calendar. The other one's got to answer the phones. The other one's got to do the mail. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't have employees anymore. <laughs> I never want employees again in my life. That doesn't mean I won't have virtual assistants and people that I plug in when I need them and so forth. But yeah, I mean, I automate a lot of stuff. I just, I like technology, but some of these places are just heavy payroll busts. Right. Crazy. So, just again, you know, you're going to pick up whether it's Remarkable 2, whether it's Calendly and Acuity for scheduling, whether right. it's a CRM, 
all the CR, like I'm using Lawmatics, right? I've been looking at it. I'm in Lawmatics. So Lawmatics, I've got my pipelines organized. My emails are going out. My auto schedulers tuned into that. And all of my contracts, I, I collect zero money. Yeah. I have zero collections. My, 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 my bookkeeper handles, if I do have collections, she handles it. I don't even know about it. It's all happening behind the scenes, but everything is ACH. Everything is credit card. Like I'm yeah. not taking checks and having to scan them and say, even though that's right. become easier, I'm not yeah. even dealing with that. So like she sent me my AR report this morning. It's, it's nothing. So right. how easy, how nice is that to have the cash flow, not have to do collections? That's where lawyers are in and entrepreneurs are killing themselves is all this back end BS yep. that they should be automating that they haven't yet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I can't imagine that an attorney can't send. I mean, obviously, I don't take just credit cards and ACH. I give the client, you know, the yeah. way they want to pay. Venmo, they could drop a check or whatever. But I make it as easy for them as possible. I can send them a link and they click on the link and they, you know, make the payment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Steve, I appreciate your time. Um, I appreciate your value. Uh, we'll put all your links in the show notes. People can get in touch with you. Any colleagues of mine that are listening, get Steve's book, read it. Books, actually, written for, right? And uh, we'll put links in the show notes and you know, reach out to Steve. Is there a, a way for them to interact with you? Maybe learn a little bit more about you, get a consult and, and see if yeah. they want to hire you. How do they yeah, go about go that? To- yeah, you can go to my website, Fretzen, uh, F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. I'm okay. prolific on LinkedIn, constantly posting and providing articles and content on LinkedIn. So okay. just Steve Fretzen on LinkedIn and, and just DM me and we'll get together. We'll talk about your practice and see you know if there's a fit. And um, if there is, great. If there isn't, I can tell you I'll be a good resource for you and a friend to help you any way I can. So to the entrepreneur attorneys out there, there is hope. Don't give up. It's a good career. It's good to be an entrepreneur in, uh, in law. Uh, I love being a lawyer. So um, Steve, I thank you for your time and coming on today. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and made to order music. For more information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes. Check out the